Hey, Bourbon Bay. Good evening. This is Steven, your host. And with another edition of Bourbon Bay Talks, my podcast here on Spotify and also on YouTube. Sorry, guys. It's been a while since I posted on this. Uh, Just a lot of crazy things have been going on the last couple weeks. Um, And now I want to take the time to thank Gambler Bay Distillery and also Dark Door or Dark Door Spirits or Cerberus Distillery uh, for having me these last two weeks and getting to know those guys. Really great group of people over at Dark Door and also Gambler Bay. Gambler Bay, we got to uh, go and see their start of their malting process and what will eventually become the first American malt whiskey here in Florida. Um, probably in over about a hundred years. So definitely an awesome experience and definitely highly, sorry, recommend you guys check them out and dark door for having me. Um, and Shane and my, or Macy Newcomb or sorry, Shane Newcomb and Macy co, uh, for having me out and getting to see the distillery there off of anderson really great group of guys and really just awesome spirits so i highly recommend you check those guys out and hopefully look forward to doing some more stuff with them in the future they do have some good events coming up this month august 14th they have the voodoo bash um with the voodoo chef and it's going to be a big event with great food good um good food good music so yeah highly recommend you guys check that out uh so yeah um we're gonna get into this episode and tonight's episode is gonna be kind of a continuation of finishing up of last episode this is gonna be part two of the episode and basically uh tonight's program we're gonna talk about is bowman brothers small batch from a smith bowman distilleries up in virginia out of fredericksburg virginia originally um yeah so they're definitely one of virginia's oldest distilleries uh started in 1927 and basically uh, was in sunset hills farm in fairfax county with one objective to open up a dairy and granary um shortly after bringing the idea to life his fields became and so abundant that he needed a use for the excess grains this one defining moment changed the entire course of the bowman legacy and ultimately led to the best whiskey in the world uh, Yeah, so in 1934, A. Smith Bowman built a groundbreaking distillery on the farmland and turned it into a family-owned business. With the help of his two sons, he produced the first-ever batch of Virginia gentlemen up until the 1950s. A. Smith Bowman Distillery was a sole producer of legal whiskey in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Since then, the focus has shifted from our classic spirits to producing premium handcrafted small batch and experimental additions that embody innovation and its core. Uh, so yeah, I recently had the bourbon not too long ago. It is a really nice uh, little bourbon. You definitely get some nice honey notes. You get a little bit more on that citrus side. So there is a little bit more on that rye. 
and you definitely have um it's definitely a little unique bourbon as well you get a little bit of cherry in there so definitely highly recommend you checking it out um you'll mostly find it here in the state of florida at abc fine wine and spirits it's one of their source and certified products for the small batch um and yeah a lot of this information is on their website so the bowman brothers website so go check it out and yeah so kind of continuing on with it um today the the family-owned distillery like i said relocated to fredericksburg and it still continues to balance their long-lived traditions honoring virginia's great pioneers mostly but now in 2016 and in 2017 the distillery won the world's best bourbon um and the world's whiskey or world whiskey awards solidifying as virginia's most award-winning distillery so that's kind of how they can say that they're the best bourbon in the world um but yeah so it's definitely a great little bourbon i highly recommend you guys check it out uh goes good probably in a nice little fashion uh so yeah and kind of now we continuate that part two like we had talked about and i think i left off uh when it came to the formative years of bourbon we were at the industrial revolution uh, both in the u.s and great britain saw innovators and inventions coming in the woodworks So, yeah, I think we talked about Anus Coffee, who developed in 1831 the patented his perfected the continuous still in Britain. And like we said, this didn't reach the U.S. until after the Civil War. Um, and actually, you know, during this time, people were actually using stills that were uh, made of logs or where they cut the log in half, hollow it out, and then they would put it back together and put like a nice copper funnel on top. Oh, sorry, need a little drink. Yeah, and then basically, then that funnel would be attached to another copper piping, which as the steam rose from the fermentation um, would collect and condense the steam into bourbon uh, or yeah, the white dog. And so we kind of go into the fact that like in the final product, our product was called the log and copper whiskey. Um, Most famous people that kind of use that was the Joseph Daunt, whose family would later be responsible for giving Yellowstone and J.W. Daunt bourbon to the world, was using the log method in 1836 to make his first Kentucky whiskey. And then during this first decade of the new century, science began to play a part in the manufacture of whiskey due to a large extent to Jim's Crow's sour mash method. And this is where, um, yeah, but in Kentucky, a lot of the whiskey makers were already kind of using this uh, process. They had found that by using only a center cut of the distillate and returning the ends and runs, back to the still for redistillation a method still yeah it's still used today and about 90% of all uh, distilleries 
that you'll go to, you'll find that they still use this method. Uh, they could remove the unwanted bitter flavors from the whiskey, and this kind of became the bourbon that we know today. Other major changes that affected the whiskey industry in the early 1800s included the actions of the marvelous uh, our president, our third president, Thomas Jefferson, who in 1802 repealed the excise tax that had caused the whiskey rebellion that we had spoke about in a couple previous episodes. And thereby he basically helped to kind of lighten that financial burden on whiskey producers. And even though that Jefferson wasn't a whiskey person himself, he was more of a wine person. He actually tried to get uh, the U.S. to adopt wine and make it a lot cheaper to use in the U.S. Um, Even at one point, he advocated reducing the tax on such products saying that the nations where cheap wine was available for the common uh, person not suffer, or they did not suffer the same insobriety as those whis- where whiskey was the least expensive drink. Jefferson also said that, or when he was asked the question, who would drink whiskey if wine were cheap enough? And then as we all kind of can see, that didn't quite go over well in the bluegrass state or Kentucky. Um, and in 1804, Francois Andras wrote in the Kentuckian, have pursued the manner of the Virginia's law. They carry the passion for grain or yeah, gaining and for spirituous liquors to excess. So basically what he's saying is that a lot of the Jefferson's Kentucky or citizens, instead of choosing wine, decided to go with whiskey because it was just more affordable and it was the common person's drink. Um, The public houses are always crowded, especially so during the sitting of the Court of Justice. However, Jefferson did stop those excise taxes on America liquor. And apart from the few years between 1813 and 1817, which of course, as we all know, hopefully is was the War of 1812, when the taxes were levied in order to pay for the cost of the War of 1812, whiskey wouldn't be taxed again until 1862. As we know, that was when the Civil War was going on and Abraham Lincoln was trying to find ways to pay for the war that was raging in his country that divided the country um so he decided to tax whiskey to help pay for the war effort and in 1820 um by 1820 over 25 percent of the total u.s population lived west of the appalachians and by the time steamboats had replaced the flatboat and were plying the mississippi laden with kentucky whiskey new markets were opening up and the whiskey business was becoming more and more profitable over 2,000 barrels of whiskey were shipped out of kentucky in 1820 and it was widely known as bourbon in kentucky bourbon the early years of whiskey making henry g crowley described an 1821 newspaper advertisement for bourbon whiskey so it was fairly safe to assume that distillers of that time knew that the reader would understand what it was he had for sale bourbon was here to stay 
So, yep, as we can see, this was the becoming of bourbon. This was where bourbon really kind of took hold. And so kind of continuing on, here's a list. And then we have a list of prominent whiskey uh, men who, as I read these names out, probably many of you are going to recognize a lot of them. Uh, so starting off with Abraham Overholt, who started the old Overholt Y whiskey, established his distillery in western Pennsylvania in 1810. As we mentioned earlier, J.W. Dont, who brought us Yellowstone and J.W. Dont bourbon, set up his still, the famous log in 1836. Oscar Pepper, as we mentioned, the Pepper family, James E. Pepper and the old Crow bourbon. Uh, built the old Oscar Pepper Distillery in 1836. And a lot of bourbon enthusiasts love this one. Is George T. Stagg. Uh, a lot of people will know about George T. Stagg or uh, Stagg Jr. Uh, is a very highly sought after bourbon. And this is where this kind of name came from, which is the George T. Stagg, which he said the Ancient Age Distillery in 1840 and the ancient age distillery is now the buffalo trace distillery uh taylor william samuelson which started the maker's mark bourbon was operating a commercial distillery in deetsville in 1844 so his like family his descendants uh started the maker's mark distillery later on uh wl weller started the wl weller bourbon uh, who grandfather would have owned the distillery in 1800, formed the wholesale whiskey business in 1849, using the slogan, Honest Whiskey at an Honest Price. And then we go into some of the last, we have, I'm sorry, David Bean, Jim Bean Bourbon, which of course everybody knows because they're the largest bourbon distillery in the world now. Uh, which is now Beam Sudatory, was working at the Old Tub Distillery in 1850, and his son David M. Beam became distiller there in 1853. John H. Beam, early time bourbon. David's other son was a co-owner of the early time distillery in 1860, and Henry McKenna started the Henry McKenna bourbon in 1855, which many bourbon enthusiasts love the Henry McKenna tenure, is highly sought after i actually got to try it back in march at heaven hill which is the owner and distiller of it now and it was actually very good definitely can see why people like it a lot um very nice little bourbon very smooth got a lot of nice caramel uh, you definitely get a little bit more like floral note so definitely a really highly recommended bourbon for sure Sorry, guys. Needed that drink. Um, but yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed. That was the formative years. Next week, uh, definitely going to start hopefully putting some more podcasts on here as well. And hopefully have some interviews on here. And basically, yeah, uh, we're going to continue on with the history. If you guys like this, please let me know in the comments. Uh, if you guys have any other ideas on what you want me to talk about. Um, or what you guys want me to go and research or to also maybe go and have a guest come on the show, uh, please let me know in the comments so I can definitely go ahead and do that. 
And if you guys got any birthdays coming up, let me know. It's always fun to kind of interact with you guys and have questions, uh, answer anything that you guys may have questions about. So please, please, please let me know. Also, go support my channel on YouTube. And yeah, it's just, you know, it's definitely been fun. Been doing this for about two months now. Been good times. Put some episodes up, getting to know people, getting to know these other distilleries. So yeah, it's been fun. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And like always, guys, I hope if you're going to have a drink, have it with me. And have a great night, guys. Enjoy. Cheers. Cheers.